This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Revelation chapter uh, 3. Now, in my excitement last week, I made a mistake. Um, got ahead of myself. So... I have to backtrack a little bit, so you have your Bibles, chapter 3. A long, long time ago, but it seems like yesterday to me, I was living a, uh, a double life. I went off to college up in North Carolina, Western Carolina, and I took my whole uh, milk crate filled with Christian records at the time, vinyl records, and I had, uh, my guess, maybe 100 records of all the latest Christian artists, Lenny LeBlanc, uh, Jeff Moore in the Distance, Petra, Second Chapter of Acts, Keith Green. Uh, I love Christian music. And to my surprise, I turned on the radio, it was a state school, and so to my surprise, on a Sunday morning, I heard Christian music coming out of our Western Carolina radio station. And so I called in the station, and I ended up talking to the, the Christian DJ, and he was graduating, and he was interested if I would take over. And I said, yes, I, I was interested. So I met with him. He asked me all the right questions, you know, do you go to church, do you read your Bible, um, you know, and, and I showed him my collection, and once, once I showed him the collection, uh, his collection was Dallas Homes and Praise, uh, mine was not like that, uh, I probably did not have that album, and so he asked me to join him and basically mentored me to take over. What he didn't ask me if I was really living the life, and I didn't divulge that information. It took two weeks for me to put in the incubator of the secular university to fall away. I showed up spirit-filled, tongue-talking, dancing, kneeling, sprawling on the floor. Uh, probably even ran a few times from side to side. But it took two weeks for me to fall into uh, not fall into, step into uh, a rebellious life. And so I began to live a double life, one foot on one side of the world and one on the other. I like both lives. I love Christian people. They're so nice. They're so caring. They'll bring you food if you need food. Uh, they'll mow your lawns. They'll do all, I just love the culture of the Christian world. I like their wholesomeness. They were nice people. They weren't most likely going to uh, steal from you or take from you. And then the other side I liked because it brought me notoriety. It brought me uh, community. It, it gave me some sort of identity. And here I found myself um, trying to be a Christian. I used to wear Christian T-shirts in my dorm. I was the lone, I was the lone Christian in my, uh, my floor. Then I invited my roommate, uh, my friend, my best friend to come and, and be my roommate, 
and he too was another Christian. And I led him astray. Literally at one time, we were going door to door, uh, witnessing uh, to our, our doormates in the dorm called Leatherwood. About two weeks later, uh, we were literally having a fist to cuff brawl in the hallway, pounding each other around midnight. And I remember guys opening the door and looking out the hallway to see what the ruckus was. And it was just me and my roommate fighting and uh, not being very Christ-like. So anyway, so I found myself in a situation where I was wearing the shirts, I had the music, I did all the stuff that I knew I, uh, good Christian kids did, and then, but I got really lonely, and I felt insecure, and then I began to uh, notice that on Friday nights, I was watching television in the, in the lobby, the, you know, the only, tel- back in the day, you didn't have TVs in every room, and I was watching my favorite TV show called Airwolf, I think it is. You gotta look it up, it's really good. And I noticed all these people just going out Friday nights, all dressed up and looking like they were about to have fun and it took two weeks until somebody invited me to go have fun with them, and I did. And I went through a very, very dark, dark, dark period of my life, even to the point of contemplating ending my life. In one of the dark moments, I remember I was at this party. I shouldn't have been, and I'd already been drinking. It was late, and this guy walks up to me. Some of you already have heard this story. This guy walks up to me, and he recognizes me. He is the DJ that follows me, because I was the DJ from Sunday mornings at 6 o'clock till a.m. till noon. I was on the radio, uh, turning... uh, you know, listening to Focus on the Family with Dr. Dobson from 9 to 10, and then from 10 to 12, we'd play the top 40 Christians, and in between those songs, I would speak, read a scripture. And then at 12 o'clock, you know, we turned it over to the, the next DJ that would play a regular top 40. And he was at this party, and he saw me, and he looked at me, and he was inebriated, and I was inebriated, and he looked at me right in the face, hey, aren't you that guy that does the religious show? And I said, no, I'm not that guy. I was living a double life. So when we read here Revelation chapter three, we're gonna see something very similar. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Revelation chapter three, to the angel of the church of Sardis. If you're here new, we have been doing this, uh, the seven churches. We are now at church number six, although it's number five. I went six before five last week. And, um, and so uh, next week we'll be finishing up with our seven churches. And here at Mosaic Church, we let the sermon determine the topic, and the today's top topic, just so you know, involves repentance. Repentance and asking God to forgive us. It's not something I decided, you know, I just, you know, I, I can think of a few people that need to repent, let me, let me come up with a sermon topic. We let the sermon, the scripture determine the topic. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. 
Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what time it is. You will not know when the time I come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will not blot out their name of the person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches and to Mosaic Church. Now, this is uh, the style of writing is what we call Middle Eastern style of encouragement or motivation. Jesus is trying to motivate his church. He's trying to say, listen, you need to go from point A to point B. You need to be pushed to succeed. And if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. We talked about this. This is the style that all through this, this uh, next uh, chapter two and three. It's like what a good parent does, right? Do this and this will happen. Don't do this and this will happen. I can remember many times we would tell our kids, clean up your room and you will get to go to Dairy Queen. Don't clean up your room. And uh, back in those days, I don't know, do they still do this? Take out the belt? I'm just kidding. Well, we used to do that. It was like a motivation of action and consequences. Do this and you will receive the consequences. Now here's the interesting thing about the, the city of Sardis. It was... Um, It was uh, a very powerful city militarily. It sat on top of a city, excuse me, a hill. And it was unpenetrable. It had the high ground. And anybody that throughout the history of that city would come try to attack the city, it would fail because the city sat on top of a hill. It had the advantage. But then one day, They didn't have the advantage. They were caught by surprise. And so when Jesus is talking to the church 600 years prior, they were on top of the mountain, figuratively and literally, but they were attacked and they were humiliated. They were caught by surprise. And so that's what makes sense when you read the scripture, I will come to you like a thief in the night I will come to you like a thief in the night. And the city did exactly that. They cried. They were shocked and surprised and humiliated. And so I believe Jesus refers to this story, to their history, which every good citizen of Sardis would recognize. They had a strong sense of pride that they were not able to be defeated. They refused to take counsel of their potential weakness. They had a false sense of security that they were gonna be okay. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges of the church, those who come to church, is this great big false sense of security if we're not careful. It says that the Bible says that they had a reputation of being alive and and they were vibrant. But not everything was going good and not everything was bad. There are signs that Jesus is going to point to. Look what it says. I know your works, 
you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete, or I would say unfinished business in the sight of my God. I know your works. You're incomplete. So Jesus has this charge against the church. What does it mean to be incomplete? What does it mean to not be complete? And Jesus is gonna talk to us. Let's just go to our next picture. What does it mean to have faith? Jesus, when he says faith, he talks about having this understanding that Jesus is coming and that he is the Messiah and we need to trust in him. And so when Jesus talks about faith, he's talking about completeness of faith, saying that you have to have faith in Christ, in the things of Christ. Stop living in two worlds. Faith often seems to be recognizing that God is decisively at work bringing the kingdom through Jesus here on earth. The Apostle Paul, when he talks about faith, he, same thing, but he talks about belief in Jesus and God raised him from the dead and we as as grateful humans, as a response, should love this divine being through Jesus. But how do you have complete or incomplete faith? I would say doubt. Doubt. You don't truly believe and have faith in his love. If you think of my story, maybe your story is similar isn't it the time when we go in, we walk into the, the arena of sin is because we don't really have enough faith? In my situation, my story, I thought when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, that he is the giver of life and I can find my complete identity in Christ, I believed that maybe in my head. But when I saw all my friends going out and looking like they were having the life, I began to doubt whether Jesus was true or not. And so what did I do? I doubted the fullness of Christ, and I lived a double life, and my actions proved my doubt, that my faith was incomplete. I said it, but I didn't really believe it. And this is what was going on in the church. They didn't have complete trust of God's love. They didn't complete trust with loyalty. They doubted him. And their life proved it. When we follow Christ, it's really all or not all. Amen? We, the worst thing we could do, and I remember, and this is why I hit like the darkest times of my life, is that living a life where we're on both sides of the line, we're gonna see doesn't really work. We're gonna see that as we follow through the scriptures here. Jesus is asking for complete allegiance. A complete allegiance, not partial allegiance. He's not saying, Mario, I want, I want to be the Lord of your life 80% of the time. And the 20%, you could do whatever you want. He's not saying that. 
Can you imagine if I were to say to my wife, honey, I wanna be loyal to you. Listen, I'm gonna go all out. I'm gonna be loyal to you 90% of the time. And just 10%, I'm not gonna be loyal to you. I hope you understand. All right, honey, 90 might be not enough, 95. I'll just be loyal to you 95%. If I'm disloyal, only one day out of the year, I'm disloyal in my marriage. And Jesus is gonna challenge the church and he's challenging us through this church of Sardis is that our, our faith is incomplete. It's an unfinished bridge. On one side, we believe it, but on the other side, the other half of the bridge, we don't actually live it. I can think of a million things how we do that. Finances, we believe it, but we don't actually live it. What we watch, we believe it, but we don't actually live it. Our anger, we believe that God has control of our emotions, but we don't actually live it. And Jesus is telling the church in Sardis, your faith is incomplete. Look what he says. He says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. This church is going to die, at least some of the people in the church. I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you've received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, referencing what the city experienced 600 years prior. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. The second charge is that they, the first charge is their faith was incomplete. The second charge is spiritual laziness, our next picture. It comes out in verse four and five. Sometimes when I like to read scriptures, I try to see what it says and then maybe think of it the opposite of what it's not saying. There are some Christians who have kept their, their cloth, clothing clean, which means that there were some people in the church that did not keep their clothing clean. It's a metaphor for polluted clothing or polluted life. And I believe it points out to spiritual laziness. It's, it's, it's like saying people who don't have time to wash their clothes or fall into lazy habits. You should read the statistics of the church today in the West, in America. It is not good. The average church person, and this is pretty big spectrum, believes that going to church once a month is being regular. Just 10 years ago, it was three times a month. And so, spiritual laziness. I had a friend, my other school at Southeastern, his name was Troy Dill, and Troy Dill is, I don't, I don't know why I'm chuckling, um, but he's with Jesus, he, he passed away but he was the dirtiest roommate on the planet. He was cheap and he was lazy. He, for a whole semester, would not wash his clothes. 
he had piled it up in a corner and to save a few bucks, what he would do is he'd pull out his pants, and I was there watching him, and he'd take the deodorant spray, right guard, and spray it down. And then he'd wear his clothes. Every night he would go to bed, I'd be up on the top bunk, he would be on the bottom bunk, and he had a full set of metal braces, and I could hear him opening the can of sardines and putting the sardines on saltine crackers and eating in bed and uh, never getting up to brush his teeth or anything. It was pretty bad. <laughs> uh, not only was he cheap, he was trying to save money on the washing clothes, but he was lazy. Lazy. And I believe the scripture is telling us that there are people in the church of Sardis that are being spiritually lazy. They haven't taken the time to clean their clothes. Now, what does that mean, Pastor Mario? I believe it's incomplete faith. They believe in repentance, but will not repent. My friend knew his clothes were dirty, but he wouldn't wash his clothes. I think one of the biggest challenges of our church, not just Mosaic Church, but churches in general, we love to talk about revival. We love to talk about God uh, removing our shame. But man, don't press me on repenting. Don't press me that I need to make my life right with God. Don't ask me to come to the front. Don't do that. Because if I come to the front, that might tell people that I have dirty clothes. Now, what I love about this scripture is it doesn't say that you shouldn't have dirty clothes. It reminds me of a scripture in Psalms where it's, who may, who may uh, ascend the hill, who might go before the holy, is those who have clean hands. Not that they've always been clean, but they've been cleaned. Those who have a pure heart. So hands get dirty, clothes get dirty. People get dirty. Lives get dirty. And we need washing. But we have incomplete faith, Sardis and churches, that they believe in repentance but won't repent. They believe in God forgiving them, but they won't take the step and say, God, I need forgiveness. And so I found myself at Western Carolina thinking, I can live on both sides. I can be the Christian sometimes, and on Friday nights and Saturday nights, I, don't, I won't be. I was being spiritually lazy. And guess what happened after that? I stopped going to church because I didn't want people to see my dirty clothes. I didn't want them to see my soiled clothes. Little did I know that everybody has soiled clothes. Everybody's clothes gets dirty. But those who are not spiritually lazy clean their clothes, make their hearts right, repent, confess their sins one to another. And if we don't do that, we're just walking around with dirty clothes. We need to be honoring to Christ. Keep another way of keeping our clothes clean, keeping the unity of the body and serve Christ in his mission. 
When we don't repent and there's no confessing one to another, it's all basically a big right guard deodorant game that we're playing. And if the church in Sardis, if they kept this attitude, if they continued in their situation, the church was gonna fall into the same situation that the city had fallen into 600 years. The Bible says in verse three, Jesus will come like a thief and they won't know what hit them. That's my version. But for the one who has chosen to honor Christ, to love Christ, to love his mission, those who have awakened up Jesus promises the following. You'll see it in verse four. Let's go to the next picture of the baptism picture. The promise, they will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. If you remember, we talked a few weeks ago, a few months ago about the prodigal son. It wasn't so much that he gets to come back home. It's that he gets to be with the father. And same here, we get to walk with Jesus. The white robe symbolizes people that have come out of the water, who've come out in victory with Jesus. They are no longer there, they are dying to self and having complete faith in not only believing in their minds, but living it out. Those people are clothed or white. They've been washed by the blood of the lamb. They're the ones that say, my life needs Jesus. I need a cleansing. I don't just need a, 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 a wash. I need a cleansing of the Lord. I want to have complete faith, not partial faith, incomplete faith. When we don't, you know, one of the things I love about this picture is that we are saying goodbye to those things, those habits, those desires that only bring us into the sinful wasteland of selfishness. And we're believing God that he truly is the bread of life. He is who he says he is and we have complete faith and our lives match what we believe. Complete faith. The promise number two, there's another picture of a book. It says, I will never blot your name out of the book of life, verse five. Now this is referring to, back to Exodus 32, if you have your Bibles, you don't have to look there, but just maybe make a note. That's when the Israelites were rebelling against God and Moses. And so Moses has a conversation with God and he says to God, but now if you will not forgive their sin, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. And guess what happens? God's mercy came upon the Israelites and God gave mercy to them. And they were not blotted out at that moment. Here in Revelation, the church of Sardis, they understand what that meant. We might not have an understanding completely of what that meant. 
I referred to this about three weeks ago, but every city, especially Greek cities, they would keep a record of its citizens. Very much like many countries, right? They will keep a record of their citizens. And everybody's name was in the book. However, if you were condemned to die, you were going to to be killed because of your behavior before they would fulfill the death of that convict, the felon, they would not do it until they go back to the book and they would erase his name and blot it out. The reasoning is that they didn't want that person's failure to represent on the city. So when he was hung or killed or however they killed him, they would not say so-and-so from Sardis. He was no longer from Sardis. His name was blotted out. And so it says here, Jesus reminding us, I will never blot out his name out of the book of life. You know, universities used to do this. Uh, They used to um, whitewash their crime on campus. And it wasn't until a lot of pressure that they were forced to, uh, they, they were forced to reveal the crime. Why, why did they do that? Because they, they were, in a sense, same thing. They didn't want people's bad behavior to represent the university. So they didn't necessarily blot it out, but they just didn't tell anybody. And so that's the challenge for the church today, is that if we're not living out complete faith, if we're not living it out, not only understanding that Jesus is Lord, but living it out that he is Lord, we have incomplete faith. And we're in danger of falling asleep and falling prey to our, our, our patterns of life. And then at the end, uh, he will come like a thief and we won't be ready. I always look back at my life when I was at Western Carolina. What would happen to me If God had come at that moment, I was straddling the fence. I had incomplete faith. I didn't trust him in lots of areas of my life. Most of my areas of my life. I didn't. The reason I was at Western Carolina because I was running away from him. I knew I had a calling in my life to to be in the ministry and I didn't want to do it. I wanted to be independent. So I went to Western Carolina about as far as I could go financially. I was going to go play college soccer. I was going to go do my thing. In a lot of ways, I was like Jonah. I was running away. But little, little did I know that I could literally leave Sarasota and go to Cullowee, but I can't run away out of God's will. And God was going to reveal my heart. But if God would have come back that day, I would have incomplete faith. I thank you, Lord. I thank, thank the Lord every day that he didn't snuff me out at that moment because I know without a shadow of a doubt, even though I believed in Jesus up here, I didn't live it out completely. That I would be left to my own demise. And I thank Jesus he gave me time. It wasn't until maybe six months later I gave, bowed my knee to the Lord and tried to live out that complete faith. Haven't been perfect, 
There are times I'm just like that bridge in complete faith. But I continue to trust. And when I'm not perfect, I've learned that washing clothes is okay. Walking to the front and say, I need Jesus is okay. We already know everybody's clothes get soiled. There's not a person here that your clothes doesn't get dirty. You live life, your clothes will get dirty. We all know that you washed your clothes. And spiritually, I don't understand it. It's pride, it's incomplete faith that keeps us from responding to a message, to a song, to the spirit. And somehow we wanna give this assumption that our clothes don't get dirty. And we all know that it does. And when we don't do that, it's, we're just spraying right guard deodorant on the clothes. And so for a long time at Western Carolina, I walked around with dirty clothes. And that day I decided to just trust Jesus. I wasn't perfect, but I knew where I can, I can get my clothes washed through the spirit of Jesus and repentance. Look what it says in the promise number three, verse five. I will confess his name before the Father and before his angels. It reminds me of Luke chapter 12. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. If Jesus would have stopped me at that keg party, I would have been found guilty of living in complete faith. So what's the challenge for us? The challenge for us is to wake up. To wake up. We know that there are times we have incomplete faith. We know that we have spiritual laziness. One of the biggest, I would say, challenge of the church is that we keep our faith to ourselves. But I would say the greatest sin of the church. We also hide our dirty clothes and mask it. But Jesus promises that he will walk with us. And I think it's really cool. Not only will he acknowledge who we are, but he acknowledges before the Father. So the challenge for us this morning is to let us have ears to hear. What is the Spirit saying to the church? I'm gonna ask the band to come up here in a second. Can you come up now? I'm going to acknowledge, whether you acknowledge or not, uh, these people need their clothes washed. They need their, their lives washed. I'd like for us to stand right now and um, let's ask the Lord to give us the fortitude to have complete faith. To have complete faith. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand at first. I will ask you to come to the front, so I'm not gonna play a game and coerce you. I'm showing my cards. But every uh, head bowed, eyes closed, just with a quick hand raise. Say, Pastor Mario, there are areas in my life that I'm living in complete faith. Raise your hand, amen. Me too.
Pastor Mario, just a quick hand raise again. I haven't properly been washing my clothes correctly. I've been trying to hide it. Let's you just raise your hand. Yes, it's all over the place. Last verse, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. You cannot have revival without repentance. Just can't do it. We could try, but that's just excitement. You just want to have excitement, we can just crank up the songs and we'll just do a little jig and it'll be good and we'll get our endorphins going and we'll feel good. Repentance is what brings revival. Just the word revive. You know, we were dead in our transgressions and we've been brought to life through the washing of the blood. Heavenly Father, we just pray for everyone in this room, Lord, that we would respond to you. And Lord, for those who come to the front, myself, I'm going to be first. I acknowledge I need a washing. I want to be found with my clothes unsoiled. And that doesn't come through gritting my teeth and tightening my belt, making a fist. It comes through having complete faith in you, trusting you. Lord, that you are faithful and just to forgive us. Let's go ahead and sing the song, Bryson. If God's encouraging you. Don't let the enemy keep you from coming to the front. We're just going to pray with each other. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.